0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Airway First, a podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is Renata Naimi, a registered dental hygienist and oral facial myofunctional therapist in Savannah, Georgia. Renata owns MyoMovers, a practice focused on treating myofunctional disorders in children and in adults. She is also the founder of the Airway Circle. She founded the Airway Circle with the intention of gathering all health professionals who share the same passion for giving. You can find out more about Renata at airwaycircle.com. And now let's jump into my interview with Renata Nehemiah. Okay, great. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely is wonderful to finally connect. Um, So, uh, before we dig in, I'd really like to start with, um, I guess, a couple of things first. I know that you are a dental hygienist and oral facial myofunctional therapist. It's very hard to say for me all at once, (laughs) Um, which gives you an incredibly unique perspective. One, you know, we really thought parents and medical professionals would like to hear. So one thing that I have heard you say before, uh, I can't remember, I think it was an interview or a podcast, but if you can't breathe well at night, you're just not gonna sleep well. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that really hasn't heard that before, that, that would be a great place for us to start. So, you know, for parents especially,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what does that mean? What is that impact? How, how do the two correlate?
1: Perfectly. So during the day, uh, we go through our parasympathetic and sympathetic system. That means fight or flight or rest and digest. We're always switching between the two, depending on what kind of events are going on in our lives, right? So okay, right. if you're running from a bear, your fight or flight is going to turn on. So heart rate goes up. Uh, Blood Mm -hmm. pressure goes up so you can run. And right after a meal, usually your parasympathetic system turns on, which is rest and digest Where all of those systems in your body are working with those functions that need to be done at that time. So usually you're relaxed, you're calm, your heart rate is low, your blood pressure is low. At nighttime, your parasympathetic is supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. So rest right you're resting so you breathe in through your nose and you breathe out through your nose Everything's calm and like that all of the magic things that are supposed to happen at night time can happen all of these amazing hormone releases uh you're going through every single sleep stage uh each one of those stages are very important uh for overall being and for you to get you know for you to getting healing sleep um mm-hmm. So if you cannot breathe well, your body is under stress. If there's any type of obstruction, if your tongue is falling in the back of your airway, if you uh, cannot breathe through your nose because you're sick and it's stuffed up, your body is going to go in survival mechanism. What is the first thing you have to do in order to survive? Is to take a breath.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So your sympathetic system turns on because now you're under stress and you have to find a way for you to breathe. So instead of you getting healing sleep, your body's just trying to keep you alive. So your blood pressure is up. Your heart rate is up. All of these things are happening. People start moving around a lot. Uh, Kids, a lot of times, will wet the bed or uh, adults have to get up to go to the bathroom or there's excessive sweating. There's so many things going on because your body is just fighting for your life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the importance of us being able to go into rest and digest and breathe calmly through our nose at nighttime.
0: So for parents that, and we hear this a lot, oh, my child's not a mouth breather. My, my child's fine. We tell them all the time, maybe, but go listen to your child sleep at night. You know, it, we it's kind of the stalker thing. Embrace <laughs> it. <him>. Go sit <laughs> y'all there doing? for about, right? Five, 15 minutes, three times a week. Go and watch them. Go and listen. Um, what exactly are they looking for when they go in there to do these little check-ins just to see?
1: Yes. Usually we recommend going in about 90 minutes after the child has fallen asleep, because that will give you enough time for a whole sleep cycle to happen. Okay. We are looking for head position. So if the head is too elevated or too far back, uh-huh. uh, what is a child doing in order to be able to breathe at night? Uh, we are looking for body movement. So limb movement has to do with low ferritin level, so low iron. So that would need to be checked out by a doctor. Uh, We're looking for some audible breathing or snoring. We're looking for drooling. We're looking for mouth open and tongue low. Um, so there's you know, a conjunction of things that we are looking for to try to find out is this Child getting enough uh, quality of sleep because you can spend enough time in bed at night, but that does not mean that you're reaching every sleep stage and staying in those sleep stages long enough. So, of course, if we see lots of body movement, snoring, uh, gasping for air, things of that nature, we would recommend a sleep study in a lab where we're going to be able to really tell what is going on with that child's sleep.
0: Okay. And if you see these signs and maybe you can't get a sleep study, let's just start with the first step. You go in, you monitor your child, you see these signs. Maybe they even have some additional in the morning. You know, the sheets are just Mm thrashed. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. The child is groggy. They have a headache. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a lot of signs. Yes. Where does a parent go? What's the next step? If we, you know, do we just can we go to a dentist? Is that the right place to go? Or do we go so, straight to the pediatrician?
1: Um, I usually recommend uh, calling a myofunctional therapy therapist first. Why do I do okay. that? Because we are the middle puzzle piece of the interdisciplinary team. A myofunctional therapist is connected with an ENT. She's connected with a dentist, with an orthodontist, with a chiropractor, an occupational therapist, a physical therapist. We kind of have, you know, this whole team that we know who to refer to because we know the ones that are looking at all of these things. Unfortunately, uh, in medical school and in dental school, all this airway stuff is not talked about enough. Tongue ties are not talked about enough. So all these things that we learn outside, uh, it's not in there. So we got to make sure that we go to the right provider. And I will plug in here. If anybody's looking for a provider around you, we have a free global directory on Area Circle. So if you go to um, click on directory and you can search by uh, name, by uh, location. You can search by procedure. If you're looking for somebody for a frenectomy uh, or for a type of expansion, you can literally click the things that you'd like and increase the radius. Uh, and you're going to see anybody who's around you.
0: That's awesome. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well. So knowing that it's so important, I mean, we, we always say, we don't know what we don't know. Well, we know now, you know, collectively Mm -hmm. we're learning it. We're getting the message out. So with this knowledge, I mean, why is it still Hygienists aren't taught this. Hygienists aren't given the time, in your opinion, right. to look for these things.
1: Um, one, they're just so overworked and so busy. There are so many patients out there that just need cleanings and need, mm-hmm. you know, regular dental visits. They have to do so much already. I mean, we're learning about oral health or hygiene, uh, how to treat periodontal disease. Um, we are already inundated with all these things. What we are learning now is the hygienists are in the perfect position to go into this because we are inside the mouth every day. We right. know what tongues look like. We know which patients are difficult to clean. Like little kids that are ticklish. Those are usually kids that don't keep their tongue up. Little kids that have tons of plaque on their teeth, that it doesn't matter every single time they come, they're full of plaque. Most of the kids are tongue-tied, right? Your oh, tongue wow. is to clean your teeth constantly all throughout mm-hmm. the day. If you cannot reach those areas, you're not going to be able to clean your teeth. So there's so many things that hygienists are the perfect profession to start looking into these. Mm -hmm. Another reason is, of course, dental hygiene training. They would have to develop a whole new program to uh, get these girls or these uh, girls and guys through to be able to start looking at these things. And then the third thing that's a big issue are the boards. Dental boards don't know what to do with this information. They don't know what to do with us. You know, whenever we take our boards, we are training and proving that we are able to clean teeth, to be inside the mouth, to go underneath the gums, all of these things. Uh, But how would they be able to grade us and make sure that we know what we're doing when it comes to my functional therapy if there's no training in university? You know, so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: there's still a big gray area. And of course, we are all working so hard and working together to uh, move the field forward. And uh, we are going to get there, I believe, eventually. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm here for the ride.
0: (laughs) Same. Yep. That's why we're all doing these podcasts and sharing this information. So let's talk about oral habits specifically. This is something we don't talk a lot about on here and probably should, though. Um, Things like thumb sucking and long stage pacifier use, how are these signs of airway dysfunction or a tongue tie?
1: Um, so we have, we have nutritive sucking and we have non-nutritive sucking. Okay. So babies, when they're first born, um, they all tend to suck their thumb and they're learning mm. how to swallow that way in the womb. All of them do it and it's normal and it's fine. But after a certain amount of time, um, if they need to do it, um, we start looking for other signs. Do they have any type of airway obstruction? Stuffy nose all the time, always sick, difficulty breathing through their nose, enlarged tonsils, enlarged adenoids. Uh, What do their teeth look like? Do they have enough room for their teeth? Do they have an open bite? Those are all reasons if there's a small airway or or difficulty breathing through their nose, kids are more likely to need a pacifier or um, a thumb inside their mouth because that's going to open up the vertical, we call it, open up the teeth a little bit, which is going to open up the airway and make it easier Mm. for them to breathe. Okay. So, of course, there are consequences to prolonged Uh, thumb sucking or pacifier use uh, and it's just going to keep getting worse Uh, and in terms of the teeth moving and and causing more malocclusion or crooked teeth Um, but we have to ask ourselves why first is this a child for example uh, that eats a lot of dairy dairy is inflammatory and then they're always sick they always have secretion they cannot breathe well they have to open their mouth you know, mm. we, we have to figure out what's causing it, but in the beginning, in the early months, it's totally normal for kids to suck their thumb. We actually do not recommend replacing it with a pacifier. If they suck their okay. thumb and you're breastfeeding, we usually recommend continue breastfeeding on demand and most children will stop thumb sucking on their own.
0: Okay. If they're breastfeeding mm-hmm, and they're, they, they don't have a pacifier.
1: hmm and yeah, that's why I always say if they're if they're your thumb, just keep it's it's more natural. Um, okay. They already do it in the womb. Uh, pacifiers, of course, there's different shapes. Uh, none of them are really um, great for oral facial development. But if your child needs, well, no, the kids need to suck to calm down and, you know, they need it. So mm-hmm. if there's no other way, um, go ahead and let your child have a pacifier, but try to keep it only when they need to calm down or whenever you're putting them to bed after they fall asleep, you can take it out. So just reducing the amount of time. So the frequency, the intensity, and uh, the amount of time that they're um, having that second habit. If we have
0: to go the route or we choose to go the route of, of a, a supplemental pacifier, are there better ones like, you know, like the Myo munchie kind of realm mm-hmm. of oral?
1: Yes, we actually recommend that... a lot of kids who have a pacifier to switch to the mile munchie to start doing a mile munchie okay. uh, instead. Um, there are so many pacifiers out there. I think the best one right now is called the Nini pacifier okay. It's very soft. Um and you can kind of see it whenever the child is sucking on the pacifier. You can see the tongue movement. Uh, but the portion that goes inside the mouth, it's very soft. The softest one, I think, out there. Uh, it's still not perfect. You know, it is completely round. And mm-hmm. it kind of blocks the nose a little bit. So it would be ideal if they opened up a little room for the nose. Uh, hint, Nini, if you do that, let me know.
0: <laughs> well, make sure we put a link in, in there for, for the Nini the way it is now. Um, yeah. and what's the difference though? I mean, the Myo munchie though, my understanding, and maybe you could add to this, be great. That's soothing, but it also helps with their oral facial growth, right? Cause we're all about growing the face out.
1: Exactly. And, and the way that it helps with soothing a little bit is because they're chewing. Every time you chew, we're releasing all those feel good hormones in the brain. Whenever you're sucking, you're also releasing all those I okay. uh, feel good hormones in the brain. So there are different ways that we're studying the child, but the chewing, so pressure builds bone. The more you chew, the more your face develops. There's a reason why children nowadays are not developing as much as they used to. And it's because we have changed the way that we feed them, right? After soft industrialization, food. we have soft foods, we have pouches, we have baby food. We have, I mean, kids eat mac and cheese, chicken fingers and French fries, peanut butter and jelly. They don't mm-hmm. need teeth to eat anymore. Back in the day, we're giving our kids chicken bones, right?
0: Right, right.
1: And parents would give the kids whatever they were eating. They wouldn't blend their food and cook it differently. And don't get me wrong. I was extremely proud when I got a baby blender for my firstborn and made all her food at home. You yeah. know? But now, yeah. now we know better. Kids need to chew. If they have an issue chewing, if they're not chewing properly, if they're choking easily, um, then of course they need to see a feeding therapist. Um, but kids need to chew in order for it to grow. So the myel really helps that. The myel also helps with proprioception. So feeling things around in the mouth. If the child mm. always has the tongue low, the tongue is not used to touching everything, right? And we need the tongue to touch all the way up there. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the usually will help increase that proprioception around the gums and the, the roof of the mouth. And the, I mean, the the tongue will stay in the roof of the mouth, but uh, it will help with the proprioception and nasal breathing because you cannot have that in your mouth and breathe through your mouth, uh, right. promote promotes sleep closure.
0: Okay. And, but they don't sleep with it. Correct. It's literally, it's soothing. It's chewing and then take it away.
1: Uh, I have not had my patients sleep with it. Uh, some practitioners may recommend that. Uh, and there's also a couple other devices, the myobrace and the um, healthy start. They as the the practitioners a lot of times will recommend sleeping with those devices. They're a little okay. bit harder. They are not as soft as the Myomunchie. Uh, And they're more of these growth guidance appliances. They don't, none of these appliances really expand the patient. They uh, promote the tongue being in the right position. They promote nasal breathing. And with that, we see changes um, with the occlusion.
0: So growing the face out again is our goal.
1: Well, growing the face out and sideways, we need to grow in all directions, really. (laughs) Uh, right, but just these, not back, uh, right? Yes, right. that's true. Uh, but these uh, these devices will help you with the nasal breathing and with the chewing and in the tongue position. They don't. They do not act like an expansion device. Like if you go to an orthodontist and they put a device on the roof of your mouth and you have a little key to really expand okay. your jaw, it's different. You okay. don't. You know, if somebody is so deficient, they need so much growth. I don't usually recommend going with these devices. These devices are usually for younger children, um, you know, that you cannot find an orthodontist around you to treat the child yet, uh, but it's correcting habits with myofunctional therapy. Very important to do myofunctional therapy with any of them.
0: Which is huge. So. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Renata Neme. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for both parents and medical professionals. In our parents portal and clinicians corner, you can find educational and informational content, including videos, blogs, our recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, events, parent support, and educational opportunities. Parents are also encouraged to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airwayhuddle. Are you a medical professional or a parent that's interested in being a guest on the show? Then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Renata Namey. One of the things, as I understand it, is an open bite is a sign of an airway issue. Mm -hmm. So if you have a child presenting that way, what are some things you would do when working with them to help start the process of correcting this?
1: First thing I would do is nasal hygiene. Second thing I would do is nasal hygiene. And the third thing I would do is nasal hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta clean that nose. I tell all my patients, every single time you brush your teeth, you blow your nose. Because we need to make it a little bit more uh, common for us to do that all the time. You got to get used to cleaning your nose and using your nose. Um, So blow your nose every single time you clean your teeth. They should go hand in hand. At nighttime, whenever they take a bath, we can go ahead and get the nose, throw warm water in the nose and get them to blow. Pick. I always tell them, pick your boogers out, get all that stuff out of there. And then we can do some nasal spray, saline nasal sprays, or Xlear has a great product also uh, that you can spray the nose um, and blow, 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 massage the nose on both sides, just getting the patient used to using the nose.
0: All right. All right.
1: Because if it's an airway issue, you know, open bites are not caused by tongue thrust. Open bites are usually caused by an underlying condition, usually breathing or something else. So we got to address breathing first, always with every patient. Um, an ENT appointment would be great to make sure they don't have anything enlarged. They scope the nose, put a little camera inside the nose so they can see the mm-hmm. adenoids. If you're a parent listening, always ask for the degree or the percentage of obstruction. Okay. How obstructed is my child? Because a lot of patients will come back and say, oh, the, the ENT looked and they said it's fine. Well, what is it? I'm not sure. They said it's, it's kind of, it's slightly enlarged. Well, what does that mean exactly? Give me a percentage, you know, out of a hundred percent, how much of it is obstructed? Because it's going to make a difference whenever we decide what kind of treatment to go with for this child. Uh, I usually say if a patient is obstructed 60 or 70% or more, and they have sleep apnea, that's when I recommend ENT treatment first. The ENT would recommend either tonsils and adenoids removal or uh, steroid spray or something like that. Uh, That's a pretty
0: significant blockage.
1: Yes, it is. And of course, we all know that expansion now, a rapid path to expansion that we call RPE, can reduce the size of tonsils and adenoids, but it, it is long term. It takes some time for that to happen. And if a child has sleep apnea and they are lacking oxygen every single night, it may be too long for us to wait. I'd rather get the child breathing well first. So whatever we gotta do, I've had some patients that we recommend. Okay, I don't recommend doing flow flonase or some steroid spray for a long time. But if you guys wanna do expansion first, while you do the nasal spray, so that child can breathe while we're doing expansion, let's do that. Because as soon as the patient ex- is expanded enough, usually nasal breathing gets better because you're increasing the size of the nose as you're increasing. Right the the size of the roof of the mouth
0: which makes total sense absolutely so when you're looking at a child the child comes to you for the first time and you're evaluating them for a tongue tie um, it's my understanding you can't always just see it mm-hmm. um, What's how they're going unnoticed so what are three things that you look for when you're evaluating a child
1: for a tongue tie so Number one is opening the mouth wide open and lifting or elevating the tongue without closing the jaw. So if they can elevate and almost touch the roof of the mouth, mm-hmm. that usually means that they have good mobility, right? They can go all the way up without closing the jaw. If they have to close the jaw every time, um, that's a problem. And then we okay. also look for the, the floor of the mouth. If that, that's elevating a lot that can be a compensation of those muscles to try to get the tongue to move. Another thing that I look for is for the jaw uh, movement. So then I'll ask them to go side to side, put the tongue from one corner of the mouth to the other corner. If the jaw is going with it, that means that they may have a restriction and every single time they move their tongue, they have to move their jaw because they're so restricted. and then the third thing that I look is function. I want to see this child chew and swallow because it's one of the most important functions, right? That we do with our tongue. Right. And Most of these doctors, whenever they're looking for a tongue tie, they actually are asking the children to stick their tongue out. That doesn't really mean anything. There are plenty of kids who are tied and they can stick their tongue super far. But whenever you ask them to actually chew food and swallow, it is a mess. You know, there's food coming out. Uh, They have to keep their mouth open. They cannot lateralize the tongue to move the food from one side to the other. Whenever they swallow, they are not forming a good bolus in the middle of the tongue. The food is all over the tongue and they cannot swallow uh, almost everything with one swallow, you know, only it kind of stays a lot of stuff behind. So these are things that, that we're looking for whenever we are evaluating for a tongue tie. That's why a picture does not really doesn't do. work uh-huh, and that's
0: fascinating that. to me too because i i <clears throat> always thought that one of the things you know stick the tongue out see if they can uh-huh. do it <laughs> um so that's really interesting
1: and the reason why they say that it's because uh-huh. in medical school and in dental school um dental hygiene and speech pathology also whenever we learn about ankyloglossia Uh, or tongue tie, it's that ankyloglossia, which is a full tongue tie. When the phrenum, that little tissue underneath your tongue, attaches to the tip of your tongue. Mm -hmm. So most of those patients cannot stick their tongue out past their lower Ah. front teeth. Okay. Okay. But now we know that there are several different severities of restriction. Some tongues are super restricted, like that full ankyloglossia, and some have more of a posterior restriction. It's the back of the tongue that cannot elevate, and that will affect your swallowing. Those people that so swallow air, they can air stick the it time. out,
0: but they can't mm-hmm. put the tongue flat in the mouth. For exactly. example, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Um,
0: <clears throat> another thing that we have we've talked about, uh, in some some previous episodes, we've talked a little bit about you know cavities specifically around sealants Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to make you talk about sealants Uh, (laughs) but I do have a question because you know uh, you've heard it around the PTA and we're all hanging out talking and we're talking about kids I have a cavity I'm not worried about it that's just a baby tooth it's going to come out Mm -hmm. but that's kind of a big deal and as parents we're not taking that as seriously as we should.
1: Yes. I mean, I think that we should ask ourselves, well, why do siblings, right? We have all these siblings. Why do some of them have tons of cavities and the other ones do not? You know, they're pretty much doing almost everything the same. Uh, So there's a lot more to decay than we know. Um, I feel like um, there's a whole new conversation now uh, around gut health, vitamin D deficiency, vitamin K2 deficiency, Um, making sure that your kids have enough nutrients, of course, sugar. We all know about sugar, but also any types of foods that stay stuck in your teeth, like goldfish. Goldfish is awful because it really Mm -hmm. stays stuck on all these kid's teeth. It's not sugar, but it's carbs. Yeah. Carbs is sugar. Um, So there's so much more that we're not aware of. It's not just about uh, brushing and flossing and using fluoride. It's not just about Uh, How much sugar a certain child eats, you know, it's the same thing, the frequency, the length of time that he actually stays uh, on the child's teeth. Um, If they, of course, how well they do their oral hygiene, all those things. But then again, mouth breathing, whenever they're mouth breathing, everything dries out. And some of these cavities really like the the dry air um, to form cavities a little bit faster. Uh, the saliva is there to protect uh, those seeds. It has tons of things in it that protects those seeds from decay. So if everything is super dry all the time, they're more likely. Those kids that have tons of cavities on the upper front teeth, we always got to uh, uh, look for a, a lip tie because a lip tie keeps the lip really close to the teeth and stuff gets stuck in there and you can't clean it out. So ah. again, it's the it's the, how long does the food touch the teeth, right? So if it stays over there for a long, long time, it's more uh, likely for that tooth to dismineralize and, and break down. It starts and at those, those white spots. Those white spots is a, the first sign of cavities.
0: And the the not only does it have those issues that you have to be concerned with, but there could be long-term health implications, correct? I mean, even though they're baby teeth, this could set up a child for some bigger issues down the road.
1: A hundred percent. So the baby teeth are extremely important because they are going to guide the adult teeth on where to go. If you lose a baby teeth too soon, a baby tooth too soon, then the adult tooth is more likely to come in crooked, come in, in the wrong place because it does not have that guide um also it's more likely to lose space because those teeth are always they want to touch things right they always are looking for a friend to hang out with there's nobody around them they're gonna go look for the next one so they move and they're gonna close those spaces if um if you're you know you lost a baby tooth way too early so definitely you want to take care of those keep them as long as you can uh kids are more likely to develop correctly have their adult teeth come in without any crowding uh, if we keep them.
0: Awesome. So I I guess I'd like to shift gears a little bit, and and this is definitely just a matter of opinion, but you're in the field and you're seeing Mm -hmm. it firsthand. So where do you see the role of the myofunctional therapist growing and, and moving to an, and incorporating in these, like you mentioned, you're kind of the in the middle of these cross-functional mm-hmm. groups um, over the course of the next couple of years.
1: Oh my goodness. I I I see and I am hoping for uh, more awareness in not only the medical community, but also the parents. Um, and schools if more people understand exactly what we're looking for and what we do and how important that is for child development um, I really feel you know my functional therapy is not a true profession it is a modality that is practiced by mostly uh, dental hygienists and and speech pathologists okay um, but I would love to see it as a true profession that you know it's it's a specialty the speech pathologists and dental hygienists decide to go into and it becomes a true um certification through you know with a, a federal board and all of that uh because it, it is just that important i mean we're all doing these things all the time we're all breathing we're all chewing we're all swallowing right. we all need the oral or official functions in order to grow and develop and, and be well um So I'm just really hoping that um, more awareness comes out and more professionals start collaborating with us and more parents are seeking uh, the help of a myofunctional therapist.
0: And I think that last one is huge. And and granted, I'm a little biased as a parent, (laughs) but I really wish I had known Right. Again, you don't know what you don't know, but Mm I wish I had known about myofunctional therapy when my children were younger because I'm doing research now and I'm speaking with professionals such as yourself and just the impacts it could have Mm -hmm. on a child's health span. It's astounding to me, absolutely Mm -hmm. astounding.
1: My dream would be to, for every dentist, every orthodontist, every pediatrician and every ENT to have their myofunctional therapist. They don't have to work in the office, but have the person who they work with because these patients are going to go back and forth. You can't, and the reason I always say, the reason why myofunctional therapy works so well, it's Mm -hmm. because we're never just doing myofunctional therapy. We're sending these patients to the ENT. We're sending these patients to orthodontics. They are doing, you know, other um, treatment modalities and that's why it works. We are treating the whole body. We're looking at the whole picture. We're looking at the whole patient. We're not just treating the orofacial muscles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's how special the, the myofunctional therapy, uh, therapist is because we're constantly learning. We are part of study clubs. We have weekly webinars on Airway Circle uh, that we usually get about 70 people live every single week and they're all there to learn more. So we're always, you know, We got to find out how can we uh, help these patients better. So we need to learn from other professionals. That's what Airway Circle is. I want to learn what an IBCLC, which is like the consultant, what are they looking at? Uh, What is an occupational therapist looking for? You know, can a child crawl with both knees? Both of my kids only crawled with one knee. I thought was the cutest thing. Well, it's a problem. But until I learned that from an occupational therapist, I didn't know. How would you know? know? That that's a problem. How would you know? So that's the importance of the myofunctional therapist. They have the knowledge. They have a little bit of knowledge of every single specialty so they know when to refer. And if you go to an EMT, they're not necessarily going to refer back to myo.
0: Right, right. Which hopefully that will change. And I'll make sure to put a link to that as well. So uh, Igenist and other myofunctional therapists listening today can join in on some of your webinars
1: yes we have a membership with area circle and we offer (laughs) weekly webinars we have a research folder we have we're fun so we have giveaways and we have um, fun meetings that we do but it's not only for my functional therapist that is our our biggest audience but Mm -hmm. we have we have the the whole interdisciplinary team we have many dentists and uh, speech pathologists and ENTs that come in and and hang out with us and we all learn together
0: as it should be right and and i know you know I'll give him a plug. Dr. Bill Harrell is, uh one of your biggest <laughs> advocates. He absolutely adores your work and what you guys are doing, and is a huge, huge advocate for you guys.
1: We oh, go both goes both ways. We love it.
0: Yeah. Um, so at the end of every episode, I like to hand the floor back to our guests because you are the experts. You're the ones everyone's here to hear. So, what final thought or message would you like to leave for our parents or other uh professionals
1: for parents if you're learning this information now breathe it is okay your child is going to be okay you're finding this out at the right time a lot of us feel so guilty whenever we find this information Mm -hmm. oh my goodness my child is already a certain age and i've missed all these things it is okay you are always every single day as a parent You're doing the best you can with the information that you have. Well, now you have good, you know, newer information. Let's just Mm -hmm. do the best we can with the new information. Take one step at a time. The myofunctional therapist, your myofunctional therapist is going to hold your hand and guide you through the steps. Um, For professionals, keep sharing, keep collaborating, keep reaching out to other colleagues and invite them. Invite them to come join us. Uh, Because we need more. There's just not enough. There are not enough professionals out there to screen these patients and to help treat these patients. So if you can call one of your colleagues, somebody that you went to school with, you know, and ask them if they've heard of this, share a podcast episode, share a a YouTube video or Instagram video that you've seen Uh, and invite them to join in one of the lectures. Um, We got to, we got to all help each other out so we can help more patients.
0: Uh, well said. I could not have said that better. That was fantastic. Thank you so much for being on today and, and uh, sharing all this amazing information. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has
0: been a pleasure. You. Thanks again to today's guest, Renata Namie, for sharing her medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. You can also find tons of great content for parents and medical professionals alike via the Parents Portal and our Clinician's Corner on the CAF website. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.